house parheads. Heavenly Father, thank you once again for the privilege and the honor of gathering together as family. Thank you for truth that continues to set us free, Father. Thank you also for this unique privilege to fellowship by means of the word with individuals that are literally on the other side of the planet, Father. We know the value of the word that you've given us, that it is transcendent, that it is timeless and boundless, and therefore we are able to find a certain unity across the globe and even across the span of human history with our brothers and sisters that we're going to spend all of eternity with, alongside of you in heaven, of course. What a privilege it is to partake in a meal like this this morning. May we never become familiar with it, but accept it for what it truly is, that is a an expression of your love in time. We are most grateful and thankful, of course, for this opportunity that has been made available to us by means of your son's sacrifice on a cross. We do just ask your blessings on this morning's message. We ask this in Jesus Christ's precious name. By the power of the Spirit, we do pray. Amen. Again, this is the children's conference, uh, for the most part, as I taught it in India a couple of weeks ago. It was titled Obedience at Home, School, and Church. Uh, I'm going to do something very different this morning because I'd like for you to experience this lesson just the way the children did uh, in India back on May 17th. As you'll soon uh, see um, and hear, I use multiple translations throughout the lesson, such as the Living Bible, the New Living Translation, and the Message Translations. This was an effort to make the lessons as easy to understand as possible for the children. Remember, these are not English-speaking kids. So given that some of them presumably had little or no exposure to Scripture even, I thought that was the best way to do it. So in light of that, I'm going to ask you all just to sit back and close your NASB translations. Good, I'll wait. <laughs> Go ahead and close your Bibles and listen to the lesson as I teach it. And do not flip through your Bibles while I'm, while I'm teaching today, okay? Just leave them where they're at. As you'll notice, I don't even have any lesson slides this morning, which is also by design. And all I can tell you is that, strictly speaking, you ought never show up to class with expectations. Rather, you should show up always with an open mind and a humble heart for grace and truth. As we've been doing with all the lessons I've been teaching from India, I'd like to ask that each of you do your best to quote, transport yourselves back to May 17th at the Mercy and Grace Charity Children's Conference. And this is, again, just a, one of the snapshots we were fortunate enough to grab of the kids just rejoicing. Their hands are up in the air, you know, they're just rejoicing in the moment. And uh, just imagine yourself uh, being there with this group of kids. And again, it was over 100 kids and it was really hot and very humid, um, but they never complained, not once, that I saw. Um, so just imagine yourself, and remember as you're doing this, as I'm teaching this lesson, 
that the Word of God is timeless and boundless. And as it is a supernatural, unique ability, it has this ability to sow unity in the faith, regardless of boundaries that the human mind typically adheres to. We're so bound by our finite minds that we think something like fellowship or um, time or you know what have you makes or is impossible um, unless it's on a timeline or something like that. But Hebrews 13.8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. And if we combine that with Hebrews 4.12, which says, For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart, if we just combine Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever, and Hebrews 4, 12, if you consider the word rightly, you quickly realize that it is the one true constant. It's the one true constant throughout the ages and beyond. This word of God. This is what the Apostle John spoke to when he wrote about it in John 1.1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and apart from him nothing came into being that has come into being. Again, the inescapable truth is that the Word of God transcends all human boundaries. God is not bound by time or space or any of the things that we sort of ratchet ourselves into as humans. So the inescapable truth is that the Word of God does transcend all human boundaries, for it has existed for all of eternity and will continue to exist forever. This is why the Bible record states in John 8.58, Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am. As difficult as this is for the finite human mind to comprehend, this is the absolute immutable truth about the Word of God. It simply is. It just is. It's always been. Jesus Christ is the same always, has always been the same. The Son has always been the same. Which means that the Logos, which is Him, has always been the same. Even before it was in print. So it simply is, it always has been, it always will be. That is the very nature of truth even, my friends. That's why we don't get to alter it. Remember that Jesus Christ, the Logos, who is grace and truth, John 1.14, became manifest to mankind to God's own glory. This is why I often describe the Word of God as transcendent. It's because its fullness lies infinitely outside the dimensions that the human mind is designed to comprehend. 
Let me say that again. The Word of God is transcendent because its fullness lies infinitely outside the dimensions that the human mind is designed or even able to comprehend. This is why its power is able to do things that we cannot fully articulate or even understand. The Bible calls this surpassing knowledge in Ephesians 3. Let me read that passage to you. Ephesians 3.14, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church, and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. That's the power of the Word. So that is why we are studying the lessons I gave a couple of weeks ago to a group of hungry individuals on the other side of the planet. It's because one of the transcendent, because one of, or of one transcendent reality, that is that the Word of God is both timeless and boundless and able to knit us all together, regardless of where or even when we've lived. I mean, who, I mean, our whole series, we'll get back to it eventually, was titled, our main series is Why the Apostles So Encouraging. But they lived like 2,000 years ago. How can we possibly find them encouraging? Because the truth is boundless. Our experience is only changed by what? Circumstances? They didn't have what? iPhones? Seriously, what's the difference? If you read Saturday's blog, what was it titled? People are people are people. It's just, it doesn't matter when they lived or where they've lived. They're just people. It's the same old thing. Just read Genesis 1 through 4 and you'll be shot right back to the reality. That people are the same. The fall had the same effect on everyone. Their circumstances change, basically. So we're able to be knit together, regardless of where or even when we've lived. This to the building up of the body of Christ in the unity of the faith. So with that said, keep your Bibles closed until I say otherwise, which would be basically never today. This might be the last time this ever happens. But like I said, if you're, you know, if you're huffing and puffing on the inside, well, this is the way we do it here. Settle down. That means you've got God in a box. And that's a very dangerous place to put him. Very limiting. And that's just plain arrogance. So sit back, sit back, relax, and imagine you are at the children's conference right now. So here's the start of the lesson. And this is how it went. Remember, I'm speaking to young children here. I want to tell you a story today about what God wants for children. 
The Bible says in Colossians 3.20, You children must always obey your fathers and mothers, for that pleases the Lord. There once was a little boy and a little girl. They lived in the remotest part of India, somewhere where very few people even visited. They lived with their family all their life in that place. And the little boy and the girl had very good parents, parents that loved them very much. But their parents loved someone even more than they loved their own children or each other even. Their parents loved Jesus Christ. They'd often overhear their parents speaking about the Holy Bible and about this person, Jesus. And they noticed that whenever they heard them talking about Jesus, they were smiling. So one day, the two children decided to ask their parents about Jesus and why they always seemed to smile at the mention of his name. And the father said, we smile because we know that he loves us. And the children responded, where is Jesus? So that we might meet him too and have his love. The parents sat the children down at the table in their home and put a holy Bible before them in the center of the table. The children noticed that the Bible looked very used, as if it had been read every single day. And so this made them think. The parents said to their children, If you want to know Jesus, here he is. And they pointed to the Bible. So the children just looked at each other and giggled, for their parents were pointing at an old, worn-out book. The father, knowing the confusion of his children, opened the Bible and read from it. John 1.1, In the beginning the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. But to all who believed Him and accepted Him, He gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So the Word became human and made His home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen His glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. After their father had finished reading from the Bible, the children said, Father, we wish to become children of God, like you and mother. So the father prayed over his family in the name of Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. He said, Dear Father in heaven, we come before you as humble parents. For as your word states in Acts 16.31, Believe in the Lord Jesus, you will be saved, you and your household. Father, we pray that you draw our children to you, 
through the true gospel of Jesus Christ, your Son, whom you sent to save us. We pray now with our children, Father, that they receive the invitation to your salvation. As your blessed Son said, repent and believe in the good news. Father, open the hearts of our children to the truth about their sins and that they need our Savior in order to spend eternity with you. Father, bless them with the heartfelt knowledge of the sacrifice of our Lord and Savior made on the cross, paying the price for all our sins once and for all, so that by believing in him our children will be saved. It is your word, Father, that says in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Father, we pray our children understand the truth behind Holy Scripture, which says that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. Father, may your Spirit convict them of these things when the time is right in your eyes, when they are able to choose for themselves the truth about our Lord and Savior. We pray these things to you on the merits of your Son, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Only God knows if those two children were saved that day, but by the grace of God, as this story goes, eventually both were indeed saved. Now, years later, when the children had gotten a little older, after they were both saved, the family sat down at their table once again, each with their own Bible this time. They had gathered together to fellowship with the Lord through prayer and reading of their Bibles. So the family decided to read Holy Scripture concerning children's obedience to their parents. The father read aloud while the mother and the two children read along in their own Bibles. Ephesians 6, 1. Children, obey your parents. This is the right thing to do because God has placed them in authority over you. Honor your father and mother. This is the first of God's Ten Commandments that ends with a promise. And this is the promise, that if you honor your father and mother, yours will be a long life full of blessing. The little boy spoke up and said, Father, does this mean that when I do my chores around the house, that God will bless me? Yes, my son, said the father, you have thought well. The little girl, feeling left out, spoke, Father, does this mean that I am to obey you and mother the way that you too obey your father in heaven? Her father smiled a very big smile and said, yes, my dear, you are correct, well done. And so the father guided his family to another passage in the Bible, 1 John 5, 1. If you believe that Jesus is the Christ, that he is God's son and your savior, then you are a child of God. And all who love the father love his children too. So you can find out how much you love God's children your brothers and sisters in the Lord, 
by how much you love and obey God. Loving God means doing what He tells us to do. And really, that isn't hard at all. For every child of God can obey Him, defeating sin and evil pleasure by trusting Christ to help Him. So the children were amazed because they didn't even know before that time that the Bible taught such things. It's true they loved their parents so much that they only wanted to be pleasing to them. The little boy had been reading his Bible before bedtime the night before and remembered something Jesus had said to one of his disciples. He remembered thinking about how love for another person, especially those in authority over you, gives you good motivation to obey. So the little boy found the verse that he had read the night before and asked his father if he could read it and share his thoughts. And his father nodded yes. So the boy read John 14, 15. If you love me, obey me. If you love me, obey me. These were the words of Jesus Christ himself. The family talked about this verse for a while, agreeing that obedience is the fruit of love. When we love someone that has authority over us, like parents have, we want to obey them. It's not a chore. It is when a person loves themselves even more than God or their own parents that they refuse to obey those in authority. This is what we see in the lives of unbelievers. Romans 1.28 So it was that when they gave God up and would not even acknowledge Him, God gave them up to doing everything their evil minds could think of. Their lives became full of every kind of wickedness and sin and greed and hate, envy, murder, fighting, lying, bitterness, and gossip. They were backbiters, haters of God, insolent, proud, braggarts, always thinking of new ways of sinning and continually being disobedient to their parents. They tried to misunderstand, broke their promises, and were heartless without pity. They were fully aware of God's death penalty for these crimes, yet they went right ahead and did them anyway and encouraged others to do them too. The mother noticed a tear in her daughter's eye after they finished reading this passage. So she asked her why. The little girl said, Mother, I'm very sad for those who don't know the love of God like we do. They just seem very unhappy, even though they pretend to be having fun. Wiping a tear away from her daughter's eye, the mother said, My dear, when you were saved by God, you were given a portion of his son's blessed heart. 
What you are feeling is the sadness that Jesus himself feels towards those who are unwilling to believe. It means you share in his love for others, not wanting any to perish, but to have eternal life. The little girl leaned into her mother's bosom and sobbed. While the mother was comforting her daughter, the father said, My dear family, my prayer is that you do not become too discouraged by this world, for it is perishing, and the people in it are arrogant. He read another passage to his family then, 2 Timothy 3.1. You may as well know this too, Timothy, that in the last days it is going to be very difficult to be a Christian. For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be proud and boastful, sneering at God, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful to them, and thoroughly bad. They will be hard-headed and never give in to others. They will be constant liars and troublemakers and will think nothing of immorality. They will be rough and cruel and sneer at those who try to be good. They will betray their friends. They will be hot-headed, puffed up with pride, and prefer good times to worshiping God. They will go to church, yes, but they won't really believe anything they hear. Don't be taken in by people like that. The little boy said, Father, I know children like that in my school. They disobey the teacher and they cause nothing but trouble in the classroom. His father said, it is because many are lost and in need of a savior. They are confused and lashing out due to their unfulfilled desire to know the true God of the universe. Did you know that one of the wisest men to ever live, King Solomon, wrote about how important it is to obey the authority in your life, especially your parents? And the boy shook his head side to side. So the father began reading while all three others found their places in their own Bibles and read along. Proverbs 1.8 Pay close attention, friend, to what your father tells you. Never forget what you learned at your mother's knee. Wear their counsel like flowers in your hair, like rings on your fingers. Dear friend, if bad companions tempt you, don't go along with them. The little boy said, So this means that I should never join in the disobedience of those who fail to obey their parents, teachers, or even their pastors? Amen, said the father. For all authority is given from our Lord in heaven. So, when we obey authority, we are really obeying God, the one we love so much. 
The children understood something new this day. They had realized that obedience is actually something they ought to do out of love for God. And since He saved them by sending His Son, their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, well, their gratitude was all the greater. In fact, they were so thankful for being saved that from that point on, whenever they were tempted to disobey their parents, their teachers, or their pastor even, they stopped and asked themselves a question. Is this something God would be pleased with, the one who loves me? As his children continued to think about these things, the father took the opportunity to add one last passage in Holy Scripture. So he read 1 Peter 1.14. Obey God because you are his children. Don't slip into your old ways, doing evil because you know or you knew no better. But be holy now in everything you do, just as the Lord is holy, who invited you to be his child. He himself has said, you must be holy, for I am holy. Before the family decided to close in prayer, both the little boy and the little girl said the same thing at the same time. Thank you, father and mother for teaching us the truth in the Word of God. This was one happy family. Glory be to God. That was the end of the lesson for the children, which was titled Obedience at Home, School, and Church. And so I encourage all of you to take advantage of the grace you've been given here this morning. Maybe you need to re-listen to the message with a pair of headphones and just listen to what the Spirit was trying to say to these young souls. So I encourage all of you to take advantage of this grace that you've been given and also to remember those who first heard this lesson two weeks ago in India in that sweltering, hot, humid conference room and continue to pray for them and for whoever might hear this beautiful message from the Spirit of Christ now that it has been recorded. Let us now celebrate the Lord's Supper. Ushers, we're going to do something a little different here today something that was inspired by our trip to India. And I had sort of been alluding to this um, previously, that every conference that we put on had an awful lot of singing, an awful lot of praise, a lot of singing as unto the Lord. And so we're going to sing this morning without any music. And you know what? 
That's how they sang. Without any music except this one time. As Joey will attest, and as you've seen in the post-mission trip video from last week, singing as unto the Lord is an absolute staple in the lives of these believers in India. An absolute staple in their lives. And you know what? If I'm humble, if you're humble, we can all learn something from that. For the Bible states in Colossians 3.15, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you, with all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another with psalms, and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. If you remember, not so long ago when I taught about Ephesians 5.18, the so-called passage that highlights the filling of the Spirit, you know that there's a direct analog to Colossians 3. So being filled with the Spirit is the same thing as letting the Word of Christ richly dwell within you. Lest maybe it doesn't. If you don't want to sing as unto the Lord, you have to ask yourselves, what's with that? If you're self-conscious, but I can't sing that well, you're going to have to show this man before God, that the Bible says something about you can't sing unless you can sing in tune. If you were in India, you'd know that wasn't true. (laughs) God love them. I have more respect for a person that sings out of tune to the top of their lungs than I do to someone who's singing, you know, mediocre, sort of in tune. It shows me that there's complete humility. Who cares? what you sound like. Honest to goodness, who cares what you sound like? You're either so much in love with the Lord that you want to let it out and sing, or there's something wrong. And just so you know, for the for context, this is the way God the Holy Spirit works. You know how like historically we've showed like Jeremy Camp videos and stuff like that. Eh, whatever. Mixed opinions on the thing. Well, recently we got dinged. One of our videos that was recorded got ripped off the internet because it was copyright infringement. And I said, geez, why is that happening all of a sudden? And then why would he bring in this issue of singing from India? You know, just at the same time. As if to say, cut it out. You don't need to see some guy that can sing perfectly. So you can sit there with your coffee, frate, latte, cappuccino with extra puffy milk and some pure sugar grain to sing as unto the Lord. We need to sing, right? We really do. 
And this is the way it goes. Don't feel condemned. I'm not condemned at all. You don't look back over the past years and say, man, we, we're terrible. We've been not singing all along. That's not how it goes. There's a lot of things that are wrong with a lot of churches. And you have to grow up. You have to mature. And if God says do all this stuff like right now, people, this place would explode. He's like, I got important things I need to work out first in all of you so that you arrive at the situation where you're going to want to sing as unto the Lord, truly. Not because you're being led, not because you like the snazzy little melody or you, you think you're really good and you want to sing harmony. Not because of any fleshly reason, but because you truly want to express and sing to the Lord. In a family setting where nobody's going to make fun of each other, I'll throw you out. I'm serious. I will throw you out. And it won't be pretty if you make fun, especially if you make fun of me. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You should be comfortable. I'm serious when I say, right, Joey? It was hard to say that they were always in tune. It was rough on the ears sometimes. Honest to goodness, nobody cared. Nobody cared whatsoever. Everybody was like, yeah, let's do this thing. And here we are in, in uh, plush land, listening to Jeremy Camp, who sings perfectly on tune. You follow what I'm getting at here? So this is going to be our song service. Uh, I've got some slides. And the song we're going to sing, I know most of you know this song. I looked for it in our hymnals. I really wanted to get you all in the hymnals, but I couldn't find the song. But this was the song that the Spirit brought up for specifically for communion service. Okay? So I've got the words. Brian's going to come up and help um, guide us. Okay? Take the...
physical ailments, right? Everybody good? Okay, Leo. Is that on? Amen? Amen. All right. And kudos to Brian. He'd never heard the song before. And he's up here. (laughs) He's like, I didn't sign up for this. That's right, man. Out of the comfort zone. Welcome to the club. Anyways, not much more to be said than that. Very good to hear, by the way. I'm really glad we didn't have to do a do-over. So we'll be doing more of that, and uh, we're going to be fishing out some things in the hymnal, uh, and we're going to do what we got to do to bring glory to God. Amen? Amen. All right. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus in the night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me, in remembrance of the person of Our Lord and Savior, let's eat the bread. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me, in remembrance of his work. Let's drink the cup. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death. Until he comes, let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for the privilege 
of gathering together as family. As your children in Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior, Father, let us embrace times like this. Let us encourage each other for as long as it's called today. And as your Spirit's been teaching us, let us sing as unto the Lord. What a privilege this is, Father. May we never become familiar with it, but embrace it for what it is, grace and love and truth in time. All shadows, all sparkles of things we're going to enjoy forever and ever in heaven with you. Father, thank you. May we take our hearts now out to a world that seems to be accelerating away from you, that sings its own praise and then pats itself on the back. Father, may we be the lights on the hill that you've designed us to be. May we not put the lampstand under the bed but on the table so the whole world can see the truth about salvation. What a privilege this is, Father. We just ask for traveling mercies and blessings as we do this thing, as we take this gospel out to a lost and dying world, Father. We, we ask these things in Jesus Christ's precious name. By the power of the Spirit, we do pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.